0: welcome to the okc community podcast we are so glad you're here to get the latest updates or to watch this week's message visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com how's everybody doing well it's really 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 good to be with you and i don't know about you but i just am reminded every once in a while of the gift that it is to be together and to to worship together as a church family. And uh, I hope you feel that this is a gift and uh, because I I believe it is. And and I'm just grateful to you, grateful to those of you on live stream. Um, We love you and we hope you're doing well. And I I just wanna begin before I pray, I'm gonna pray in just a minute and let Robbie leave. (laughs) but I'm gonna gonna keep him up here for just a little longer. Um, But I wanna read from from Matthew chapter seven, starting in verse 24. This is gonna be our central text for the day. And this is right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is wrapping up this amazing sermon where he teaches about life. And he says some really powerful words about the idea of practice. So everybody right now, just we're going to get into this. Everybody say practice. This is what we're going to be talking about today. So let me just read right here, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts th- the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. We're gonna talk a little bit about teaching today, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So Jesus says something here that's critical. He says, if you don't practice the things that I teach, you are foolish. But if you do practice the things that I teach, you will be wise. I don't know about you, but I've read that passage, I've heard that passage my whole life, and I used to think, it, think of it in this way. I used to think the person who was building their house on the sand had rejected the teachings of Jesus. That they had been someone who just you know, said, no thanks, I'm gonna go with the ways of the world instead. But what, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture actually says, hey, you may hear the teachings of Jesus, but you're gonna to have to put them into practice. Meaning, you may believe the things that he said, you may receive them and think these are good teachings, but that doesn't mean you actually will actually go do them. And he says, if you hear them, and you don't do them, where well, you're foolish. In other words, we can say it this way. Have you ever met a Christian who believes what they believe, but doesn't really do anything they believe? <laughs> Before you say, well, I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> Before you think, oh, those poor people that do that. I want to dig into this because I think there's some things that we all need to start practicing. Are y'all with me? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We want you to do what only you can do. We're open today to your, to your word. And as we sing, we don't make room. For you to do whatever you want to do today. We pray this in your name, amen. All right, so we're in this series called The Way of Life, and we've been talking for a number of weeks about the teachings of Jesus and the fact that they actually orient us to a way to think about things, a way to do things, and of course, a way to live in accordance to the ways of Jesus, because Jesus had a particular way of life. And he tried to teach us those ways and a number of different different things that he taught and ways that he lived. And so last week I said something to the effect that we should not only live our faith as willing people, but that we should also possess a passionate want to. Meaning, we can't just live willing to serve or willing to give or willing to worship or willing to do spiritual practice. We should actually want... (laughs) to do those things. We should want to serve. We should want to give. We should want to do spiritual practice. We should want to worship. And so the relationship between the want to, if you will, and the things we do is actually very central to Jesus. And we'll talk a little bit about desire and want to next week. But I think we would all agree with this, that a lot of times we don't actually want the right things. And because we don't want the right things, we don't actually do the right things. And, and I, so we're going to get into that a little bit. But Matthew chapter 7, Jesus clearly says something right here that you better practice what I've taught or life is not going to go that well. And um, I want to talk about this today because I believe for a lot of us, this is going to be really, really impactful in the way we live our Christian faith. You know, in this faith, I would, and in, in this case today, I would like to define this word practice the way a doctor defines it. You know, when a doctor opens a practice, it's, it's, they're gonna go practice real medicine. You know what I'm talking about? Like they open the practice and it's like the game time is on, they're doing it. As opposed to an athlete, a practice is something different. It's what you do before the real game, right? And so, uh, you know, Allen Iverson, famous NBA player and philosopher once said, he said, we're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game, we're talking about practice. And in this moment, he devalued, if you will, the importance of practice. But we're all doctors today, we're not athletes. There are some messages that are about being athletes and training and doing all that stuff, that's really good, but today we're doctors. Y'all good with that? Look at the person next to you and say, what's up, doc? All right. It's kind of scary that we're all doctors, I don't know. Okay, so quick sort of rational way. The rational way to consider what Jesus is saying in Matthew 7 is this, to ask yourself, am I practicing what Jesus taught? And that question is deeper than you probably think. Am I doing what Jesus said to do? And when I sit with that question for a while, a lot starts to come to the surface. The second rational thought after that question is, do I know what Jesus taught? And if you don't know what he taught, that's where you begin. You start to get the teachings of Jesus in you. And so if you're sitting here today and are you even right as we begin, you're going, well, you know, I kind of know a little bit about what he taught, but I don't know if I would be someone that would say, I know what Jesus taught. Well, that's where you begin. You start diving into the teachings of Jesus. You read the Bible. You get on some, some podcast going. You, you listen to sermons. You, you go on our website and you read everything that's on there because we have a lot about Jesus on our website. You, you just absorb as much as you can. You ask people, can you teach me the ways of Jesus? Here's the thing. Most of us don't want to do that, so we don't go do that. But we need to have a want to. So some of us need to want to learn. The word disciple actually means learner. And so maybe it's time for us to go and learn. But However, in this room today, I would, I would imagine that the majority of us would say, I'm familiar with what he taught. I, I might not know everything that he taught, but I know a lot of what he taught. And you, you have a lot of knowledge about what he taught. And so the question that's a little more relevant to you is not, do I know what he taught, but am I practicing what he taught? That's the question that's relevant for you. Am I actually practicing it? And so today we're going to address something that I believe is very human. It's a very human thing to do. It's really meaningful when you drop the H on the word human. It's the fact that we actually possess a lot of knowledge, and we don't really have a knowledge problem, we have an application problem. And what I mean by that is, of course, that we know a lot about a lot, but it doesn't always shape what it needs to shape. And when I was thinking about this for my life, many people of us, we know a lot about what Jesus taught, but we don't actually go and practice what he taught, at least not in whole. It's the possession of knowledge without application. And I'm not sitting here saying that none of us apply anything that Jesus taught, but I just want us to allow this, this thought of what Jesus presented in Matthew 7 to start to sink into our heart today and allow us to at least ask some good questions about our own lives not in a way of judgment, not in a way of shame, but in a way of reflection, in a way of hope to become more of who Jesus called us to be. And so when we challenge and we push and we sharpen one another, it's for the hope that we will actually grow in Christ Jesus and become mature, attaining the whole measure of Christ so we no longer will be tossed back and forth by the waves of this world, right? But we'll be able to stand firm because our house is built on the rock and it will stand any storm that comes against us. How many of you feel like there's a storm in life? So every once in a while, we abandon the things we know, right? And we do what we want. I'll give you an example of what I mean in an every circumstance. How many of you guys like to drink coffee in the morning? Raise your hand if you're a morning coffee person. Some of you are raising your hands. Some of you are not. Some of you are building your house on the rock. Some of you are building it on the sand. I'll let you figure out which one's which, all right? So I'm a morning coffee person. But here's the thing. I'm not a big drinker. I don't know if that's what you call it, but I don't drink a lot of coffee. I don't, I usually, typically drink one or two cups of coffee a day. That's my limit. Uh, that's what I drink. That's just what I do. If I drink more than a couple cups, bad things begin to happen to my body. Some of you probably know uh, about this as well. And there was a day a few weeks ago, there was a day a few weeks ago, it was the Cap City Connect Day. The Cap City coffee shop was open, and I thought, I've already had my coffee today, but look at this great new ministry that's happening in the ministry of coffee. And, what's, and these great baristas that are here, i got to show them my love and support for their skills. And I said, what's, what the heck? Three cups won't hurt me. So I say, I would like to have a double shot PH Delight oat milk latte, please. Amen. That is a Cap City special. If you don't know it, get it. So here's the thing. I was like, I want that. And they were like, yes, of course. They, and I drank it. It was delicious. It was wonderful. And, you know, I did feel a little bit shaky after I drank that third cup. <laughs> and I have no idea why. Because I went past my two-cup limit. I have no idea why, what possessed me in this moment. But I thought, you know what? I should just go ahead and do four cups today. <laughs> and so, of course, I ordered another double shot latte. This time it was a toasted caramel latte. You know, I'll just trying it out. I mean, why not? They're free. They are to you too, not just to me. This isn't a pastoral perk. This is a perk for all of you. Free lattes. So here's the thing. I'll go ahead and order that thing. And, and here's, here's what I know. Uh, I knew that three cups was bad, but four cups, it was literally no bueno for me, you know what I mean? Like I start, my, I can't concentrate the rest of the day. For me, it's like shaky, like I, my stomach's in knots, like the whole thing, it's not good. Like, I'm like, I'm kind of done. I, I just had, my day was, was shot and I, and, and I knew that I shouldn't have done it and I felt terrible. I may be a coffee lightweight to some of you. You can judge me if you want. But here's what I know, I know what my limits are. But I, I, in my mind, I knew, but I abandoned what I knew for what I wanted. How many of us do that all the time? How many of us betray what we know for what we want? And we certainly have to, we're gonna talk about this desire thing, but we betray what we know for what we want all the time. Ah, uh, you know, I know I need to go to church, but I don't really want to this week, I'll just do it next week. Here's Jesus saying, if you don't put it into practice, the things that I taught you, when the storms of life come, which I would say, like I mentioned a moment ago, is right now for many of us, when the storms of life come, you're not going to make it through. This is what he says. You're going to be wiped out by the storm. So Jesus says, you have to practice what I taught you. If you want it to work. My ways only work when you do them. How many Christians want Jesus to do a lot for them without doing a lot? (laughs) So for a moment, I want to teach on what Jesus taught um, just just for a brief moment. He obviously taught about a lot of things. If I tried to talk about all the things that Jesus taught, that's honestly what we're doing the whole series on. So I'm not, I'm gonna stay at a big picture, big, big picture mindset for sort of 30,000 foot level about what Jesus taught. And if you wanna do that, you can just go back to what Mark wrote at the very beginning of his gospel in Mark chapter one, was Jesus starts his ministry in verse 14. It says this, that Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, which is the gospel, And he said this. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, I think it's helpful to know that everything that Jesus taught about us to be human fits inside one big category, one big picture. And it's called the understanding the ways of the kingdom of God. That that's what he put everything in. He put everything under this banner. And the centerpiece of that message of the of the kingdom of God, contrary to popular opinion and popular culture, Jesus' main message wasn't, you know, uh, just about love, although that's in there. His main message wasn't like treat people like you want to be treated, although that's in there. His main message wasn't social justice. His main message, just so you know was that the kingdom of God is near. Missiologist Leslie Newbegin, he says it like this. He says, the inbreaking kingdom, the inbreaking reality of the rule and reign of God. That's what he calls it. And he says, that kingdom of God, that kingdom of God is actually near and it's tangible for you and me that we can taste and see it. And Jesus' is called to people everywhere was the same one. He's like, you need to repent and believe the good news that the kingdom of God, the rule and reign in God that's tangible to you is near, it's at hand. It's available to you. Repent and believe. That's the central message to what Jesus taught. Now the word repent, Most of us kind of have a working understanding of that. We might think of it as uh, that's the idea of turning away. You've heard maybe say it's a 180 degree turn to the opposite direction away from sin. And so you got sin over here and you turn this way away from sin. And that's what it's been taught as. Now, the Greek word for repent is the word uh, metanoia. Everyone say metanoia. Good job. Metanoia is the same root word uh, for metamorphosis, which is a transformation, right? We know the transformation of the little caterpillar into the beautiful butterfly is the metamorphosis, right? That's the metamorphosis that we all love and we know about. But he says the metanoia, the repentance, if you will, is actually sort of the same transformation, but it's of the mind. And so he wants us to transform the mind. And there's a metamorphosis, so to speak, to the mind. And Paul talks about this quite a bit, doesn't he? In Romans chapter 12, you guys remember that moment when he talks about renewing our mind? Well, think about this. If you know anything about the book of Romans, for 11 chapters, it's like theology 101, 201, 301, and 401 all packed into 11 chapters. You know what I mean? It's the doctrine of God that Paul's teaching us. And so he's teaching us what Jesus taught us. And then he says in 12 verse 1, therefore... Therefore, I just told you everything that you need to know. Therefore, I need you to do something. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, right, in view of God's mercy, uh, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's that's a lot right there. And then he said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the metanoia, right, of your mind. Then you'll be able to... Test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I personally can't read this scripture enough, just to be really honest with you. Most of us have heard this a number of times. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let's talk about wants, talk about all that kind of stuff. I know that I shouldn't have four cups of coffee, but I want to, right? I know that I need to go to sleep so I can get up early and do the right thing, but I just want to watch one more Netflix show (laughs) because we all need more Netflix in our life, don't we? Some people say, uh, you know, get more serious, right? I know, I know I shouldn't be looking at pornography, but I want to. We we know what's right. Doesn't mean that shapes what we do. I know I shouldn't move in with my boyfriend or girlfriend, but I want to. I know I shouldn't be orienting my life around money, but I want to. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind repent and believe you see the idea of renewing our mind it actually takes time it actually takes time to to transform anything about the way we think about things you know we often think that a new habit or a new practice or a new way of doing things is this kind of a kind of mind over matter sort of thing like we can just kind of muscle it through will it through you know you maybe even heard like the the self-help rhetoric of it takes 21 to 28 days to to form a new habit which I was kind of curious if that's true, is that all it takes? And you know, I decided to go seek the truth out on that, so I did a Google search. (laughs) How many of you know that you can find the truth in two minutes of a Google search? (laughs) So who knows if what I'm saying is true right now, but I'm gonna go for it. Apparently 21 days is mostly a myth. There's a few cases where it might apply, but most new habits take anywhere from 66 days up to eight months to form. And there's a lot of criteria that goes into that actual reality actually occurring. First thing, most science and studies show that even for a new habit to form, not only does it take time, but it takes a person's desire and want to. Secondly, it requires someone not only starting a new habit, but typically they have to replace the habit. So they have to stop something else in order to start the new thing i'm just going to tell you right now that's called biblical transformation it's called repenting in which i stop something i stop the stint, the sin and i start the new practice you see here's the problem with most christians over the years and maybe this isn't you but you'll know what i'm talking about is that christianity has been a lot of te- teaching about the things that we're supposed to stop doing and so we put a lot of focus on stopping sin over, collectively over history. And so what happens is that the goal has become stopping sin, and we've never really talked about starting anything. And so we think that it's about behavior modification to stop certain behaviors. And so over time, what man has taught, by the way, not Jesus, man taught this, not Jesus, we have focused on a lifestyle of who we're not and who we shouldn't be instead of who we are and who we need to be. And so what happens is we grow up thinking, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I've done this wrong thing. God wants me to get my life right. And you've heard that over and over and over again in your life. And that narrative has fed a a kind of perspective of our Christian faith that it's about not doing things instead of doing things. And so we have a whole bunch of Christians that live in this world that we aren't actually doing the things that Jesus called us to do and taught us to do called the practices. And instead, all we're doing is thinking we're holy by the things we separate ourselves from. And I'm telling you, that doesn't define holiness when McManus says it this way, he says the tragedy of life, like it's not about the things, it's not just about stopping the wrong, it's not enough to stop the wrong and then be paralyzed when it comes to the right. If we treat repentance as only turning away from sin, we've neglected what we're supposed to be turning to. The transformation of the new life in Christ means we're actually turning to something. We can't just stop it, we have to start it. We have to turn to the way of life that Jesus taught us. And that begins with an all the way of return. I mean, this is, we won't even get into this, but all the way returning to the original intent of who God called us to be in the Imago day, the image of God created for his good purpose. So this is honestly a challenge for many people, more than we would like to admit. But we try... Uh, We try in a lot of ways to relate to God, but we struggle. Jesus teaches this different story that is much less about stopping, but it's just as much about starting something new, about who to be. So Jesus taught us to repent and believe the good news. And I don't know about you, but maybe when we talk about repentance in that particular sentence or particular definition, we start to understand a little bit more what Jesus was inviting us into that he says, turn away from these false stories and these false narratives and be transformed. Put on the new mind, or as Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Is this preaching? Is this, is this sitting with anybody or is everybody already got this? Is everybody doing all right? If I say are you practicing what Jesus taught, are you like, yeah, I'm good, I got it, check. How y'all doing? Are you doing it? Am I preaching to a, to a crowd that doesn't need this? Okay. So do we need this? Yes. Okay, good. Because I'll keep going. I was just going to end because I feel like I've said enough. You run it back. Here we go. We're talking about practice. All right. James 1. James 1 says it well, starting in verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. I want you to stop some stuff. All right. But don't just listen to God's word. Oh, but James is about to say it. You must do what it says. (laughs) Practice. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You're building your house on the sand. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. You forget you were created in the image of God. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that that sets you free, and if you do what it says, don't forget. uh, And don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Jesus and the scriptures say over and over again, that teaching should lead to practice. And I think a lot of times we get a lot of teaching in our life that doesn't really have an application. We go, wow, that was a really good teaching and we keep going back to the same thing we were doing before. Without practice, it's only a matter of time before life takes you out with a storm. It's only a matter of time before a tragedy or a disagreement or divided society about politics, or a pandemic takes you out. So there are three primary categories because I'm talking about, well, Jesus taught a lot of things. How are we supposed to, we want to practice all of them and be perfect. That's, that's, that's not what we're saying. We'll get there, but there are three primary categories of practices that we learn from Jesus. And I picked this up from John Mark Comer, really quite brilliant, quite helpful to think about his practices in this way. But first of all, I'll put these on screen. The practices are based on the lifestyle of Jesus. Meaning these are the things that he did, right? These are like his prayer habits, uh, you know, spiritual practices or disciplines that we might know about with fasting or going to church or Sabbath or worship. That's the lifestyle of Jesus. We can learn from the lifestyle of Jesus and we can adopt those practices. The second type of practices are based on the teachings of Jesus. And so there's going to be a lot of things he taught us like that we're supposed to forgive people. We're supposed to forgive people a lot more than we're comfortable with. We're supposed, there's all those teachings from the Sermon on the Mount that we're supposed, you know, he says, do not worry. Things like this. Those are from the teachings of Jesus. And then the third types of practices are based on the mission of Jesus. The ministry and mission of Jesus, preaching and teaching the gospel, healing the sick, baptizing people, you know, caring for the more poor. Those are some of the missional things of Jesus. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. And here's what I know right now is that a lot of you, if you've come to church for any amount of time, you know a lot about those practices already. You already have a lot of knowledge. That doesn't mean we've applied all of that knowledge, but we do have the knowledge, don't we? So I think my question today would be, and I'll put this question on the screen. What is a practice or a way of Jesus that you want to live out more faithfully? I know we could do like, Probably 28, 30, 50 of those things right now. But sometimes it's just good to start with one. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's good to just look at our life and say, all right, I'm going to lean into that. And I'm going to start doing what Jesus taught us to do. So I know a lot of us already know a lot of Jesus' teachings. We can always learn more, grow deeper. But perhaps today you can identify the gap between what you know and what you do. A lot of us know the teachings, but the truth is we struggle to, to practice them. So I want to give you a couple um, examples to help you with this question, what is a practice or a way of Jesus that you could practice or live out more faithfully? So I have like 12 things that I'm just going to run through, but it's going to be seriously super quick. Um, some of these are very obvious, but sometimes you've got to state the obvious. You know what I mean? Um, number one, obvious. Obvious read the Bible. The question isn't, do you know that? The question is, do you do that? (laughs) And do you do, and maybe it's time for you to stop waking up to social media or news feeds and it's time to actually, the first thing you look at, the first thing you set your eyes on is the word of God. We got to practice what he taught. And when we don't practice what he taught, the storms are going to take us out. So maybe it's a psalm in the morning for you and that flows right into number two. We need to pray more. Maybe starting your day with scripture and prayer. Maybe you need to turn anytime you worry about something. Maybe it needs to turn into a a moment of prayer. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I just need to start praying, you know, daily. Maybe for some of you, it's I got to pray with my spouse. And I would say, have you ever prayed with your spouse? Maybe it's time to start. Couples that pray together, stay together, statistically proven. Maybe if it's not praying with your spouse, maybe it's, it's coming to the prayer room or maybe it's learning how to pray with your small group or whatever it is. Number three, I put on here rest or Sabbath. Maybe you need to stop working so much. And I'm not talking just about your job working. I'm talking about working. Some of us work seven days a week nonstop. And we don't even know what it means to stop and rest in the comfort and the pleasure of God and his, and his goodness. Do you have a rhythm of work and rest in your life? This is a practice. Number four, church. The spiritual practice of church. Most people don't put coming to church as a spiritual practice, by the way. It's in its own category. We have the spiritual disciplines. But one of the spiritual practices that Jesus taught was going and being a part of the corporate gathering of believers. And this is really important because we live in a culture today that practices that has continued to devalue this as a practice. And I'm just going to speak some truth, but it's not intended to hurt. It's intended to help. There is a cultural practice that one to two times of church a week. And by the way, attending church is not church. It is the first step of it though. We want to be the church in a whole bunch of different ways, but there is something about coming together. That is really important. And attending church one to two times a week, either in person or online, has become the norm and considered great church attendance in today's culture. And I'm just telling you, it's not. Jesus demonstrated something different. He demonstrated a life in which he was at the Sabbath. He went to the temple every, not only every Sabbath, but he went every day. And we have actually, we've actually kind of uh, taken a, we've stripped down the practice of church in today's culture which makes and elevates the need for church so much more. Meaning when we do gather, we should make it a priority. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to get people to be here or get online. That's not what it's about. It's like literally, literally like I'm going, the church is hurting right now because we don't practice some of the most simple things. Whenever we're busy, whenever we need a little more rest, whenever we have a project to do, there's a lot of things that don't get cut in life. But I know for a lot of us, this is the thing that does. Is that all right, I that I said <laughs> that? Jesus' ways are greater than my ways. Remember that. Number, uh, number five, read books. Um, I recommend spiritually, spiritual encouragement books of some sort. Some people can plow through three or four books a month. Some of you need like one book a year. It doesn't matter. Just read them. Read them because they stimulate growth and they stimulate spiritual imagination. And I would encourage you to read them. Uh, forgiveness, maybe this is a practice you need, to, you need to do, like you're struggling to forgive people or forgive certain uh, people in your life. Maybe this is, these are just examples. Patience, are you impatient with God, with people, with um, situations going on in the world? Loving neighbors, enemies, strangers, are you actually doing any of these things intentionally? It's just a question. You've got to practice, you have gotta practice, of course, what Jesus taught. Discipling someone. This is like right in the, the center of the Great Commission. Are you discipling anyone in your life right now? Have you ever discipled anyone in your life? If not, this is something that Jesus taught us to do. Uh, Generosity, biblical stewardship. Do do you need to trust the Lord with your money and and live into the plan that he's put out in his word for us to do? Because in that plan, it raises our faith, it raises our our generosity, and we live um, more dependent upon him and more joyfully, by the way. Number 11, caring for the poor. Are you finding ways to give, help, love those in need? Jesus did this often. And then the 12th one that I just wrote down was um, sharing the gospel. Do you find ways to share the gospel in your life? Yeah, these are just examples, right? There are plenty of things that Jesus taught us, but I thought, what if I just went to some of the most obvious ones and I just asked myself, am I actually doing these, which to me are some of the most obvious practices? How am I doing on that one? This is easy stuff to point to. But you may have something off the list that's in your heart that you're already going, yeah, yeah, I got that in my heart. And I would just say, what is Jesus putting conviction in your heart for? What is a practice or a way of Jesus that you want to live out more faithfully? And I just want to say this because I feel the need to. For the record, this isn't legalism. This isn't works-based. I'm not pressing on anyone to go do something to earn God's favor. That's not what this is about. This isn't guilting. This isn't shaming. I'm sure we'd all agree that we're supposed to go do the things that Jesus taught us to do. And I believe it's good to be confronted with the gaps that we face in our life between what we know and what we do. So this isn't shame-based theology to kick anybody in the teeth to go get their life right. This is between you and God. This is between, it's not between me and you, it's not between our church and you, this is between you and the Lord. And our hope as a church, my hope as a pastor is to help us actually go and do the things that Jesus taught us to do. My hope is that I want to see God coming alive in your life to where you don't just aren't just willing, but you want to, that you have a desire for more of God in your life in such a way that you want to go do the things that he's called us to do, trusting that it's not just about doing the things out of, out of, out of hoping that we'll earn his favor, but it's knowing that he's given us a way of life that he calls the easy yoke, by the way. It's the easy yoke. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. My ways, my ways will give you rest. This isn't a heavy yoke. This is a way of life that is better. This is a way of life that lets you be free of bitterness. This is a way of life that lets you be free of feeling overworked. This is a way of life that lets you be free of feeling like you got to do it all on your own. This is a way of life that is the easy yoke. I'm trying to help you. And if you'll practice my ways, you won't be swept away by the storms. This is what Jesus is saying. So whenever we say, how are we doing? Are we doing the things that Jesus taught? It's not to kick us in the teeth. It's to set us free. It's to set us free from the yoke of slavery. Are you, are you with me, friends? It's to set us free of the things that we continue to stub our toe on, trip over, fall flat on our face and wonder, where's God? And he's saying, I'm right here where I've always been. I just need you to come with me and follow my ways, to come and be a disciple, to learn from me, to be, to be following me so closely that you're going to be that you're going to be following my way, that people won't even be able to distinguish between my work and your work, because it'll be the same. Jesus was obsessed with practice, just so you know. Listen to this, what he says in Luke chapter 8. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside, which I love this scene. Do you remember? Jesus has a family. He has a mom and he's got some brothers and they're actually in this scene, a little annoyed with what Jesus is doing. He's creating a bunch of ruckus (laughs) and they show up to be like, Jesus, you know, chill out. And he replied, he says, Oh, they're wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. You see, his family was the people who said, I'm going to actually practice. This thing. I love what he says over in Matthew seven, a few verses before that central text that I read at the beginning of the today, in verse thirteen and fourteen. He says, "Don't look for shortcuts to God." And I think, by the way, that line. This is the Message version, so it's like you know a little different, but I love it. He says, "Don't look for shortcuts to God." And I think this is what we all do, by the way. We want a lot from God without having to do a lot. We look for shortcuts. We try and cut corners. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that could be practiced in your spare time. But don't fall for that stuff, even though the crowds of people do. If when we try and just stuff God into the cracks of our life and just say, maybe if I just do a little bit here, a little bit there, but I don't really, this isn't really my life, it's not gonna work. Don't fall for it, even though the crowds of people do. This is the broad road that Jesus is talking about. There's a narrow way of life and there's a broad way of life. The crowds of people do. It says the way to life. Remember, we're talking about the way of life. The way to life to God, it's vigorous and requires our total attention. But it's not to be heavy. It's to be easier. It's to be light. So no matter where you are in your spiritual journey today, I would just say that Jesus has been teaching you a way of life and it's time for you to actually just consider all the things you already know and ask yourself the question, am I practicing what he's taught me? And if you need a list, we gave you a list. If you need some ideas, I gave you some ideas. If you need a place to start, I gave you some places to start. And then it's saying okay i'm willing to go into the metanoia the transformation of my mind to repent and to stop something in order to start something in my life and i'm willing to do it as long as it takes so i want to pray for you today in fact uh as i pray why does everybody just stand stand together and i'm going to pray over us Maybe as I pray, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Allow the Holy Spirit to just even uh, speak to you in this moment. I really do hope that today, who, although maybe challenging intentionally so, it's also encouraging that Jesus has a plan for you, and it's better than your plan. He has a way for you, and it's better than your way. He has changes in you that he wants to make, but it's not just about correcting, it's about releasing. It's not just about stopping, it's about starting. So Holy Spirit, we invite invite you to come today, move in us. I just pray for each person in the room, each person at home today watching. I I just pray, I just pray humility would come over us right now. Lord, our way is not greater than your way. He's asking a question. How many of you are already feeling the nudge from the Spirit to close the gap between something you know and the things that you do? maybe to be more faithful with particular practice. If you're already feeling that now, just lift your hand real quick to say, yeah, I, I really do want to do that. I want to practice. Just lift it up real quick. No one's looking around. I'm just going to pray over us. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, the Lord, you would guide us and lead us in the way forward. Lord, we know that faith isn't static. We know that we haven't arrived. We pray, that, we pray and know that this isn't an easy going. Formula or shortcut but help us be intentional to live and to practice what you've taught us trusting what you've said as the way to our life it's the only way that really works and it's the only way to hope and for some of us we need to hear it today it's the only way through the storm that we're facing we pray this in Jesus name and everybody say amen amen